Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. We all know, from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts, that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. Westholm, which is based in Queensland and the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's create. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and P&G's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about Salisbury Steak. Indeed. And this one has been on my personal shortlist since we first started this wow. show. Yes. Because in the early days of food stuff, I Googled weirdest food stories and Salisbury steak came up on um, a lot of the list. Wow. Yeah. Which, uh, having done the research now, I'm not surprised by. This mm-hmm. one is great. Oh, yeah. There's like Nazis. <laughs> And uh, and weird, like, health food movement stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, like a bean experiment. Oh, there's a bean. Yeah. Yes. It's it's honestly one of my favorites, one of my favorite topics, like, in recent memory. It is excellent. And weirdly enough, kind of timely because, yeah, it was sort of a fad diet for a while. It was part of a fad diet. Believe it or not. Yes. <laughs> Believe it. <laughs> Believe it. When I was thinking about this, I at first I thought, I don't think I've ever had Salisbury steak outside of a frozen food dining hall situation. But then I started thinking about the difference between country fried steak um, and Salisbury steak. And I think in my family, even though we called it country fried steak, it was actually Salisbury steak. Because it wasn't breaded? Yeah. And it had brown gravy. And well, I guess chicken fried steak usually has white gravy. 
This is from a very quick, precursory Google search. A white gravy is how my grandmother served it. Mm -hmm. Chicken fried steak. Yeah. uh, But that was also, it wasn't like a burger. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe I've had it more. Different episode. I don't think I've ever had Salisbury steak. I don't think. I've had a lot of meatloaf. Yes. Which is adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. My dad loved what I think was now Salisbury steak. That was like one of his favorite things. Huh. Yes. And we wanted to say, before we get started, hamburger, future episode, definitely happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to, it's adjacent. There's a Venn diagram. Yes. We're going to mention some hamburger facts because they are closely related, but it's a whole, it's deserving of its own episode. Oh, absolutely. Yes. But today... We are talking about something else, which mm-hmm. brings us to our question, Salisbury steak. What is it? Well, Salisbury steak is a dish consisting of ground meat, usually beef, uh, sometimes beef and pork, formed into ovular patties and pan-fried, a.k.a. sautéed, then uh, finished or perhaps served with gravy. Usually a brown gravy or, or sometimes what I've seen referred to as a, as a brown sauce. Which, mm-hmm. if you're not from the American Midwest, you might be confused about. It just I, it doesn't have flour. I think is the main difference. Okay. Anyway, um, yes, uh, the patties are often uh, plumped up and made more cohesive with uh, breadcrumbs and/or a raw egg, and seasoned with stuff like uh, salt and pepper, of course. But then Worcestershire sauce, ketchup, mustard powder, and onion. Uh, the patties are cooked completely through. Sometimes onions are also cooked down in the gravy, and mushrooms are sometimes added to that as well. And yeah, uh, the gravy itself is made from broth, again, usually beef, sometimes chicken, uh, more Worcestershire and ketchup, and uh, flour or cornstarch as a thickener. The result is salty and savory and tender soft and like just a whole pile of comforting. Oh, yeah. Um, It's often served with other comfort foods that pair well with gravy like mashed potatoes or like soft dinner rolls and alongside um, steamed or boiled vegetables like green peas, carrots, or green beans. And, yeah, for all y'all who ain't from around here, uh, that means that this is a like really classic mid-century Midwestern American sort of dish. Yeah, which is very funny because I – I thought it was English, and despite being a popular dish in England, it is not named after Salisbury, England. It's an American original-ish. Ish. Yes. And these days it also kind of, sometimes it's called hamburger steak. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it can be made as simply or as fancily as you want with uh, different meats or blends of ground meats, a uh, uh, pork, turkey, venison, Whoa. veal, Whoa. <laughs> um, lean or fatty cuts, other ingredients in the patties from like bell peppers or celery to jalapenos to buttercracker crumbs to prepared mustard to spinach to garlic or fresh herbs. You can use dried soup mix or bouillon or canned condensed soup or canned gravy. Uh, you can make a bechamel. You can add sherry. You can bake the ingredients plus potatoes up in like a casserole. Part of the appeal is that it's adaptable to what you have on hand, and it's honestly pretty difficult to like mess up beyond edibility. Yeah, I can see that. It was very wonderful. (laughs) And I'm going to insert a solid piece of life advice right here. Okay. Do not, do not look up the urban dictionary definition of Salisbury steak I am begging you, don't do it. Oh. Okay, this is not some kind of trick. It is not reverse psychology. Okay, just just don't. Just, don't. just for, for your own sanity, don't yes. do it? Your life will be better all for it. Okay. Yes. All right, well, duly noted. Mm-hmm. 
That's, you know, if I could if I could go back in time and tell myself not to look up certain things, I would take my own advice. Well, I am offering advice now, well, and I you. beg you to eat it. <laughs> uh, well. Yes. That brings us to nutrition. <laughs> God. <laughs> sure, let's talk about nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's pan fried beef, you know. So, like, it's high in protein. Uh, it's got a good smattering of minerals, uh, depending on how you make it, of course. Um, the the dish tends to have a lot of fat and salt, not a lot of fiber or vitamins. Like, it'll fill you up, but is best paired with vegetables and some grains to help keep you going. Yeah, yeah. And we do have some numbers. Well, yeah, like it's difficult to gauge the popularity of this dish because it's such a homey kind of thing, but. Yeah, a couple numbers for you. Um, the most made and reviewed recipe for Salisbury steak on allrecipes.com, um, that I could find anyway, has been made by at least 7,000 users and reviewed 3,000 times. Wow. And it is a, a, it's rated a four-and-a-half-star recipe by those users. Oh, nice. So Pretty good. Mm-hmm. And it shows up all over the place in uh, prepared food companies' uh, product lineups. Um <sighs> Banquet, Boston Market, Dinty Moore, Hormel, Healthy Choice, Hungry Man, Lean Cuisine, Marie Callender's, Michelina's, Stouffer's. It comes canned in frozen dinners and shelf-stable microwave meals. Um, there's a banquet brand frozen Salisbury steak pot pie. Mm-hmm. I've had that. Huh. Is it good? I mean, yeah, it's salty and it has, <laughs> like, a nice pie crust. So, cool. pretty good. <laughs> uh, restaurants and other food service outlets can buy, like, frozen pans of, like, 50 Salisbury steaks at one go. Whoa. If that's the thing you're interested in, it's out there. There you go. It exists. And this is one of those dishes named after one specific and very fascinating person, Dr. James Henry Salisbury. And we'll get into that, but first we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, West Home sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) West Home offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. West Home believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And again, hamburger, meatloaf, different episodes. But very briefly, cattle were domesticated around 10,000 years ago in Mesopotamia. I'm pretty sure that's come up in another episode. Uh Uh-huh. In 1848, there was an influx of German immigrants into the United States after several revolutions reverberated across the 39 states of the German Confederation. Several of these German immigrants opened beer gardens where they offered meats prepared in the German style, in particular the style of Hamburg, a a German city known for its high-quality beef. This beef was prepared as chopped steak, and this was called Hamburg style. Although in the U.S., the quality of the beef was not that high, not uh, equitable to what you'd get in Hamburg. Sure. Nevertheless... The name sounded classier than ground beef, so they went with it. The dish went mainstream in America after its appearance at the 1876 World's Fair in Philadelphia, becoming a cheap menu item across the country. And yes, yes, Hamburg, hamburger. Different episode. Also, there's a book called Hamburger History. Yes. <laughs> I want to read it. Oh. oh. But no, not now. Not, not, now. not today. Yes. At this time... 
It wasn't in the mid of the <laughs> middle of the 1800s. Yes. Yeah. Not in this current daytime. Yeah. Yes. It wasn't uncommon for chopped raw beef to be prescribed for digestive problems. Enter Dr. Salisbury. Okay, this guy. This whole dude. Oh. Okay. Oh my gosh. He was born in Scott, New York in 1823. After getting degrees in chemistry and natural science, he headed to medical school. And he was a big believer that you are what you eat and that food majorly impacts your health. And not only that, certain foods were preventative and curative, especially of digestive ailments. One of the best foods for your health and digestive system, in his mind, minced beef patties. Sure. Cooked, unlike previous recommendations. Not only that, he warned against overconsumption of fruits and vegetables, quote, at the expense of more substantial elements— a-L-I-M-E-N-T-S, um, and led, this led to children having what he called summer complaints. So, okay, if you've never heard the term aliment, as I had not, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's just a now archaic and slightly hoity-toity, or at least like very technical way of saying nourishment or sustenance. It dates from the 1400s from Latin and was common in medical texts through the early 1800s. So he was honestly being like a little pretentious. <laughs> No, not this guy. (laughs) That doesn't sound right. Oh, and if you've never heard the term summer complaints, as I had not, um, it means a gastrointestinal infection, um, particularly from, like, bacterial food poisoning and particularly resulting in diarrhea, like dysentery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The uh, kind of like a fun term for dysentery. Oh, geez, Um, yeah. And uh, most dangerous in children and infants. And so, yeah, summer complaints was a cause of much concern during the hot summer months in places with poor sanitation um, from the early 1800s through, like, the 1940s or 50s. Um, The term passed out of usage in the following decades. But, okay, how did Dr. Salisbury arrive at the conclusion that chopped beef was a health food? Well. Fascinating. (laughs) Science. (laughs) Yes. Of a kind. Of a kind. According to the explanation contained in the preface of his book that he wrote, quote, In 1854, the idea came to me in one of my solitary hours to try the effect of living exclusively upon one food at a time. This experiment I began upon myself alone at first. I opened this line of experiments with baked beans. I had not lived upon this food over three days before light began to break. I became very flatulent and constipated, head dizzy, ears ringing, limbs prickly, and was wholly unfitted for mental work. The microscopic examination of passages showed that the bean food did not digest. Well, (laughs) that guy has some interesting hobbies. Oh, (laughs) living off of baked beans. Oh, Yeah, I mean, I can see why those symptoms would be occurring. I can as well, but he, his curiosity was not satiated, and he somehow convinced six <laughs> other people to come live with him while subsisting off an all-baked bean diet in 1858. <laughs> and I could not stop laughing at this and thinking about the lighthouse. <laughs> beans! <laughs> Don't spill your beans! Oh, gosh. You gotta respect the determination. Sure! He went on to convince four other people to do something similar with oatmeal porridge for 30 whole days. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He conducted several more of these tests, eventually arriving at the conclusion that the most easily digestible food was lean minced beef removed of connective tissue and fully cooked. 
He believed this so strongly, he decided to test out his theories during the Civil War, giving Union soldiers beset with chronic diarrhea, chopped beef, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, like three times a day, chopped beef, no vegetables. Definitely no vegetables. Yes. Terrible. Yes. And also, he was a Civil War doctor, by the way. It wasn't (laughs) like he was just some dude, oh, hey, can I conduct an experiment on your six soldiers? He was a Civil War doctor. Sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, well, no, that, that, yes, he was. That yes. is a true and honest fact. Uh-huh. <laughs> he postulated the problem lied in the Amylaceous Army Biscuit Diet. That's a quote. Here's what he specifically advised. The first step is to wash out the sour stomach and bowels and to change the food. The food selected should be such as is least liable to ferment with alcohol and acid yeast. This is muscle pulp of beef prepared as heretofore described when it affords the maximum of nourishment with the minimum of effort to the digestive organs. Nothing else, nothing else but this food except an occasional change to broiled mutton. (laughs) (sighs) Just for for flavor. Yeah, (laughs) just mix it up every now and then. And yes, before the dish took on his name, Salisbury called it muscle pulp of beef. Mm. Yeah, and and like note, here that he wasn't actually talking about ground beef. Um, The meat grinders that we know and love today weren't invented until the 1890s. Um, And he wasn't talking about minced beef, although ground and minced are parallel terms from British to American English, but he he wasn't talking about mincing up beef with a knife. Um, His muscle pulp of beef called for the cook to, uh, to chop the surface of the meat repeatedly, like pushing with your kind of dull knife, I guess, like the fibrous tissue of the meat down into the cutting board, and and then occasionally, at intervals, scraping the pulp off of the top um, Mm -hmm. to to use that to make your patties. Um, At the time, a common device for doing this kind of work was not a knife as we would use today, um, but like a semicircle of metal with a blade along the round edge and a handle on the flat edge um, for use on a cutting board or in a cutting bowl. A cutting bowl. Mm Mm-hmm, Yeah. After 30 years of research, in 1888, Salisbury published a book all about this, all about his findings, called The Relation of Alimentation and Disease. He wrote, healthy alimentation or feeding upon such foods as a system can well digest and assimilate is always promotive of good health. Unhealthy alimentation always acts as a cause of disease. Huh. Yes. And this is a whole book. You can read it if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting to me, utmost, um, is that his recipe for this muscle pulp of lean beef made into cakes and broiled in this book calls for Worcestershire sauce, if desired. Um, Other optional seasonings including uh, mustard, horseradish, and lemon juice. And he recommends uh, butter, salt, and pepper in any case. Um, Just, I don't know, it's so weird and wonderful to me that, like, Worcestershire sauce was one of the things that has remained stable in this recipe, totally despite this dude. Right. Interesting. Oh, there was another, and I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. There was another um, sauce that he said was acceptable oh, to okay. add in, but but apparently it was like some kind of rival to Worcestershire sauce, and like it did not make history. So, oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a rabbit hole for a different day, though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, also, in this book, Salisbury recommended a newfangled device for preparing his steaks: um, a chopper driven by a hand crank. Um, and the name of this thing was American Chopper, uh, <laughs> which makes it real hilarious to Google search yep. these days. I can see that. Yeah. I got a lot of memes and not a whole lot of what I was looking for. Some helicopter images. There's uh, – or, or, the, or the, <laughs> the, the, the motorcycle TV show oh, American sure, Chopper. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, also in this book, uh, Salisbury claims that the stomach is a meat-digesting organ. That is a quote, um, which he says explains why you can avoid disease for a lot longer eating meat than eating even, quote, the best vegetable products. Wow. He really had it out for vegetables. He did. Um, He also claimed that, uh, and I quote, consumption, strictly speaking, is a disease caused by abnormal or unhealthy feeding or feeding too excessively on the various preparations of grains, vegetables, sweets, and fruits, and the products developed from them by fermentation. Oh, and, you know, consumption is tuberculosis, which is an infectious bacterial lung disease. Um, but to be fair, that had only been sussed out like six years earlier in 1882, and research into the disease was still ongoing. But I just, that one cracked me up. <laughs> anyway. People flipped out about this book. In a positive way. Yes. Oh, they loved it. Englishwoman Elma Stewart was one of the the most, the biggest fans. She raved about it and highly recommended it. She got so many responses about the wonders of this diet after she recommended it. In her book, What Must I Do to Get Well and How Do I Keep So?, she published some of these responses that she received, and they were rave reviews. The diet was extremely popular for the next 20 years. Oh, yeah. Um, One Dr. W.M. Hepburn wrote glowingly about it, uh, the book, in in the Philadelphia Medical and Surgical Journal, and recommended purposefully dulling the blades on your choppers so that you you really mash the meat. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, the dish might not have gotten its name all the way until 1897, though. Um, that's the first known record in print, according to Merriam-Webster. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, history has been less kind what? than these initial reviewers were. Um, the Google Books scanned version of the second edition bears a handwritten note on the title page that reads, Not worth the price of the paper. Oh. Period. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, and yes, meanwhile, developing again around the same time in the United States was this other chopped beef patty dish, the Hamburg steak. Yes. One 1904 recipe for hamburger steak called for a beef gravy made of fat, flour, water, and ketchup. Yeah, yeah, adding that ketchup into there. Um, And this recipe was from the U.S. Navy's cookbook, um, indicating that the dish was considered a decent combination of, like, healthful, approachable, um, easy to make, and inexpensive. Um, And it would persist in Navy cookbooks largely unchanged throughout the years. Um, Though, yeah, it wouldn't be called Salisbury steak until the 1932 edition. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, also in 1904, visitors to the St. Louis World's Fair could try a trendy new dish— Hamburg steak sandwiches. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And by this time, yeah, the uh, uh, auger-driven meat grinder had made it much easier to prepare meat for patties like this. Salisbury steak fell to the wayside, eclipsed by Hamburg steak. And these fancy new hamburgers. Right. Salisbury steak did experience a resurgence during World War I when Americans avoided German-sounding foods. Yes, and so here's where Nazis come in. Yes! <laughs> you never know. <laughs> From some things I read, Frankfurter also fell prey to this, going from Liberty Sausage first and then hot dog. Uh And other foods as well. Oh, yeah. A 1918 petition to the U.S.'s Federal Food Administration to rename sauerkraut 
Liberty Cabbage, for example. Yeah. This petition was largely backed by grocers and distributors who saw a sharp decrease in sauerkraut sales during the war. They wanted to change the name to something, quote, Americans could be proud of. Oof. Yes. And even measles got in the mix. Newspapers at the time began referring to what had previously been called German measles as Liberty Measles. Oh, that's not... Huh. Huh, indeed. I think he could have just given that to the Germans <laughs> If he didn't point. like them, yeah, come on. Dachshunds became Liberty Pups. Okay, that one I'm totally on board for. <laughs> <laughs> we could try to bring that back. Yeah, yeah. Cities with German-sounding names renamed themselves. It was a whole... It was a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Post-World War I, White Castle, yes, that one, the self-proclaimed first fast food restaurant chain in the United States, more research is needed, but that's what their website says, uh, with a burger as their main menu item, changed the name of their burger to Salisbury Steak. Still, the burgers remained unpopular, so White Castle switched it up with mini burgers they called sliders with a Y. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Uh, during the rationing of World War II, um, Hamburg steak or Salisbury steak, as it was becoming to be known, um, was seen as a as a recipe that could help stretch meat with the addition of stuff like a cream of wheat, oats, a ground soy. And I am not the only one who has this association with frozen food and Salisbury steak. Oh, certainly not. It was a very popular TV dinner option in the second wave of frozen meals in the 1960s. Yeah, again, like, it's difficult to make it inedible, even when freezing and reheating are involved, uh, because of the of the, of the relative, um, uh, if you'll forgive me, like, flatness of flavor. Uh, it's, it's, it's just— an, <laughs> I won't forgive that. It's, uh, it's just an umami bomb, and that's fine. That's great. It's delicious. Um, and, and also, uh, the, the moisture of the gravy makes mm-hmm. it a lot easier to not totally mess up the meat. Right. Yeah. Um, according to America's Test Kitchen, Swanson introduced the probably first— frozen Salisbury steak as part of a special three-course TV dinner in 1965. Special three-course TV dinner. Mm-hmm. Fancy. And, yeah, and it's remained a popular frozen meal uh, and and a popular recipe in the armed forces. Fascinating stuff. It is. <laughs> yeah, so the reason we don't call it Hamburg steak yeah. is because there was this weirdo <laughs> who published a weirdo book about it. Uh-huh. For treatment of dysentery. Yes. And then Nazis. And then Nazis. That's the TLDR version. That <laughs> <laughs> covers everything you need. <laughs> I, this is just, it's delightful. Yeah. I'm glad we finally, I can finally mark it off the list. Me too. I didn't know that this was such a burning question for you. I'm sorry that we didn't <laughs> do it sooner. I think every time I suggested it, you were kind of like, huh? Really? <laughs> <laughs> What? No. no. Mm. Why? But yeah. now. Now I understand. Now you know. Oh, and so gosh. do you, listeners. Yeah. But we do have a little bit more for you. Mm-hmm. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy piña colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. 
But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, West Holm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) West Holm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia, and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Rishnamurl. I I haven't worked on my impressions. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> 
But I, I did used to believe I had a really good Sean Connery impression. I think I was wrong. Oh, okay. But I, well, I was thinking of The Lighthouse. And, oh, yeah, okay. It went in that weird direction. Sure. <laughs> you do know that that wasn't Sean Connery. What? The <laughs> yes. Okay. Cool. I was aware of that fact. Just checking. But they had a similar vibe. There was certainly a thing that was happening. That's what with the Willem movie. The movie. <laughs> called <laughs> the movie review there certainly was a thing that was happening <laughs> that's actually about how i feel about that yes. so yeah <laughs> go see it have fun i quite enjoyed it yeah <laughs> oh it's definitely a trip it's a trip. Anyway. Anyway, Zach wrote, longtime listener, first time writer here. I couldn't help but share about my new love of rum agricole thanks to y'all. Oh, yay. I grew up in a family with a rich history of moonshining, brandy and whiskey, and a still living tradition of homemade winemaking. And my uncle is the one in the family who has the most refined taste for his spirits. Think any southern gentleman Hemingway might write. <laughs> he swears by Mount Gay rum. You might imagine that at my own coming of age, his taste of liquor would be the one that I would choose to emulate. For years now, I've always jumped to using the same rum for any occasion that might call for mixed drinks. When I heard the episode on rum agricole, I made a mental note to try this cousin to rum as soon as I got the chance. I'm a recent postgrad transplant to your Decatur. Hi, welcome. Oh, yay. Some new friends of mine invited me to SOS Tiki Bar last night. When I got there, felt the tiki vibes, and saw the cocktails on the menu, I said... If ever there was a place in ATL that'd have it, it's here. I asked the bartender if they had any, and he grinned and made me a tea punch. I have a new love and will be searching for a bottle soon. I can't wait to learn how to make tea punch and share some with my dad and uncle to see what they think about it. Oh, yay. That's so exciting. That is so exciting. I've also been looking for it all around Atlanta. Um, I can tell you that they've got, like, a few of them at Wrecking Bar in Little Five. Okay. Um, oh, gosh. There's at least two other places I found, but now I'm totally forgetting them. Anyway, yes. There are options. Perhaps not as many as we would like. No, there are. There are. Mm-hmm. Memory wrote, I just finished listening to your episode on cinnamon rolls and thought I'd share a few things. First, mashed potatoes in the dough. Absolutely. My great-aunt Betty's cinnamon roll recipe is a family classic and has mashed potatoes in the dough. Being from Idaho, that didn't surprise me. We make all kinds of things with mashed potatoes as an ingredient. Potato donuts, potato bread, cinnamon rolls are what come to mind right away. Second, chili and cinnamon rolls were a school lunch classic for all of my years in public school. We were always so excited as the smell of baking cinnamon rolls wafted down the school hallways. One of my friend's moms would come and eat lunch at school. She would sign up to be the classroom helper and then stay and buy school lunch only on the days we had cinnamon rolls. My friend said she'd wait until the month's lunch menu was published and then call the teacher to sign up to come help on that day. My aunt always made cinnamon rolls and chili around Halloween. It was their family start-of-fall tradition. And lastly, the uh, sticky buns or money bread reminded me of the Christmas morning breakfast of my growing up. My husband and kids don't like sweets for breakfast, so I have not continued the tradition in my family when we have Christmas without the grandparents. My mom always called them butterscotch rolls, and they're super easy and so delicious. And if you've got frozen rolls in your freezer section of your grocery store, you don't need to be afraid of making something with yeast bread, Lauren. Ah! I know. I know. Also, I thought I'd mention a few interesting food-related things. A town nearby, Blackfoot, Idaho, has a small museum called the Potato Museum. It has interesting information on the history of the potato and farming, harvest, and consumption of them, as well as cafe to be able to enjoy a baked spud. 
A uh, still-operating, last I heard, drive-in movie theater called the Spud Drive-In, located between the small towns of Driggs and Victor, Idaho, has an old potato truck with a massive potato out front, as well as outside the ticket booth, several life-size potatoes, Mr. Potato Head style. They're almost always outside for photo opportunities. Also, not to be missed in the Mountain West is the wonderfully, uniquely flavored Huckleberry. I've also heard it called a wild mountain blueberry, though I'm not sure if they're really the same thing. They're ripe in the fall and, as far as I know, are only found in the wild, so require foraging to pick them. Locals have huckleberry patch spots in the mountains, uh, areas of wilderness open to hiking and often range cattle, whose precise locations are fiercely guarded secrets. Ooh. Oh, man, so you have to know someone. Yeah. I love it. I actually embarrassingly thought huckleberries were not real. Oh, I did not know it was a real thing. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a fictional fruit. Oh, that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like snozberries, fictional. Okay. Huckleberries, real. I just got my berries, yeah. my berry wires crossed. It's, it's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I would love to go and see the potato museum and start yeah. driving. Right? So good. That is so good. Oh. Maybe one day. Maybe. Oh, field trips. Yes, so many. But in the meantime, thanks to both of those listeners for writing. We mm-hmm. would love to hear from all of you listeners. If you would like to email us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.